Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, welcome back to the Total Car Score Podcast. And uh, this week, we, we're going to go to Germany with a pretty, I don't know, exciting, boring presentation. <laughs> we're going to go to the, back to Detroit for a special interview and then to Italy. So how are you, Lauren? How do you like that plan? Oh, great. If we could actually do the flights like we used to, we, <laughs> believe it or not, we used to get in the planes, see each other like JFK and like, let's go. It was awesome. It was it was so much better to watch all that in person. Right, Carl? That would have been like a regular plan for you like a year ago. Yeah, I know. It used to be, you know, international visits as opposed to just international discussions. But now we have to <laughs> sit, sit locked yeah. down in our house and talk about other countries because we're not allowed to go there. Okay, so this week it was Germany, the turn uh, for uh, the Audi e-tron GT, another electric car. So we've been talking about that a lot. So, Lauren, I think you enjoyed it a lot, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> that was, you know, I, I think the Germans don't understand that Americans are basically impatient. Um, could cut to the chase. We don't need the, you know, the deep, deep dive into the gear selections and the, you know, the spring rates. I mean, it's great to have that, but when you're doing a reveal, we want to know what does it look like? You know, and it's great. They had Nico Rosberg in there. Who's an F1 driver and a winning F1 driver, but they had awards in there and it was like, Oh my God. As a matter of fact, I was texting you, Javier saying, are you watching this? (laughs) And you said, what did you say? I think sort of because, yes, it was interesting in the beginning because it's a new car we haven't seen and all that. But then at some point, you're right. I mean, it's like way too much uh, typical German over-engineering. Was that the same for you, Carl? (laughs) Yeah, I know. If if only their their press intros were as efficient as their... uh as the way they try to design everything else, right? They pride themselves on super efficiency on, on things. But, and I think thoroughness though, is another trait of a lot of the German automakers. And, and we, none of us are going to deny that they aren't thorough when they uh, start discussing cars in front of the, the media and making sure you understand every single aspect of how the car works. But, um, you know, if, if you can get past the, the introduction and unveil process and just look at the vehicle itself, you know, it is going to use basically the Porsche uh, Taycan uh, platform, but and it and you can see some some you know uh, similarities between the two vehicles in overall proportion and shape. But I do think that it's really well executed. I think the e-tron GT has very uh, appealing body lines and structure and proportion, and I think it's going to be reflected well in the car, both in per, in person as well as what we've already seen in, in the photos and, and footage. You never really know what a car looks like until you're in person and seeing it. I think all three of us would agree with that. But I'm, I'm confident the car is going to look really nice in person, oh. inside and out. Really hot looking. I'm an Audi owner, so I, I'm in full disclosure, but that's going to be one hot vehicle. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say the the e-tron, the original e-tron, is one of the most beautiful electric cars that are out there right now. I mean, and I think the the drive from um napa valley we stopped in sacramento and then we continue into lake tahoe uh, almost a year and a half ago now so this is on, on top of all that new design as carl was saying more sporty uh but the technology that is already there it's great the design as you said uh, lauren and the technology i mean all the yeah, all kidding aside about the presentation all that i have to say like everybody's trying at least right 
but uh, the technology that designed the, the cockpit, uh, digital cockpit, uh, everything in the interior, the materials, it, it, they're doing a great job with that. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, Audi, I always felt like the Audi TT was like the first kind of like wake up call to the industry that, you know, you can make a really powerful design statement. And it's not just about the exterior of the car, it's about the interior of the car. And I feel like Audi has played the design card as much or more effectively than any other brand over the past 25 years. Um, and now here comes an electric car that, you know, might be arguably the best looking electric car yet to come out that's a pure ev so uh, if you're going to convert people to electrics which you know as all of us know everyone's saying well it's going to be nothing but electrics in another 10 or 15 years there won't even be an we internal combustion see. we shall <laughs> yeah. see I, I, don't know, I don't know if we're going to get there but the only way we're going to possibly get there is if we start making these cars look a lot better than well the bulk of the evs that have come out in the last five years let's be honest so let's talk about electric cars and the Super Bowl ads. How did you like uh, GM's ads with uh, Will Farrell, Lauren? Um, I thought it was a unique spin with Edward Scissorhands. No, you that know, was the other one. Course, you're talking about, oh, you're talking about that. Oh, you're t lyric. You're talking about um, Will Farrell, yeah. Um, they spent a lot of money on all those celebrities. <laughs> I can tell you that. And then they tried to get Norway. It was weird that they were attacking Norway. I don't know. I, the, the whole thing in the teasers I thought was odd. Uh, there was a lot of good, um, uh, stuff. I think the best ones are still Jeep. They really seem to focus on getting the message across and do a good job of it. Yeah. That, uh, the, the, um, Will Farrell one got an answer actually from Audi that didn't, uh, broadcast on the Super Bowl, but it was kind of funny, right? Felt like they're fighting over it in Twitter and all that. It was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah that was Ford, good. Ford jumped in there too. You know, Ford was. Oh, yeah, you're right. Ford was making fun of them because they're like saying, or you could just sell cars that are EVs in Norway, like we already are with the Mach E. So, uh, you know, it was. It's always dicey when you go the negative route, you know, and you try to be funny. I always made the joke about. Um, the caveman commercials that used to be on and all. I can't even remember. Was it oh, Geico? Oh, yeah. oh, that was Geico. Geico. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, so, so easy. Even a caveman can figure it out. It's like, they finally found a demographic that probably won't sue anyone. And who knows? You <laughs> might still get an anthropologist who'd be like, you quit making fun of the Neanderthals. Damn it. You know? So, so hurting just, my feelings. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know? So, so if you go back through any of our family trees long enough, there's Neanderthals. So quit making fun of that. Um, but, but, you know, I think that when you try to go negative, you got to watch it. It can come back on you. And so, and of course, it's all supposed to be a joke. And for Will Ferrell's, you know, it's like, oh, I, I can't stand Norway and all because they're beating us in EVs. But it kind of opened the door for something like Ford, who did rush in there and say, or you could just, instead of hating Norway, you could just start selling your EVs in Norway like we already have. <laughs> that was smart. Yeah, that was a smart reply because sometimes, yes. like you said, by going negative, you never know where you're going with that. I mean, I have no problem. I'm happy with laughing at myself. And I think what we need in this world is a lot more laughter and a lot less attacking. Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right on that. Well, uh, let's go back to a little bit of reality related to all this, actually, because uh, I, th this week, last week, I actually had a Toyota RAV4 Prime for a whole week to test drive around Miami. And I think, as you've been saying, Lauren, and you, Carl, too, that that's the future today. I mean, all that talk about like all electric and all that in 15 years or whatever. I mean, that car is fantastic. It can give you 40 miles of pure electric and then you can put gas and go to Orlando or even Jacksonville or where you are around sometimes now. Yep. Uh, I think that, that that solution, I think, is the best right now. Don't you think, Lauren? 
Yeah, I actually like the vehicle. They just can't make enough of them. You know, when I had it here, it was like um, maybe October I had the RAV4 Prime. I had more people stopping me and asking me, I'm thinking about a Tesla. What do you think of this car? And if I had to choose between the two, I would pick a brand where I could get service around the country. But not just that, as I thought it was a great vehicle that sort of answered the problem all the way around. I want good fuel economy. I want to, you know, I want to go electric at times and maybe there are times I don't, but I think of all the what's out there, it's probably one of the best choices. They just didn't make enough of them, but that was just bad planning on their part. Yeah. Well, Carl, I think, uh, you know, also about all the other issues, right? That was a battery supply issue, but now there's cheap issues for everybody's affecting, right? Yeah, it's going to be really tough for 2021, especially we're coming out of a pandemic. Everyone wants to think that we're going to have this economic recovery. And if you look at some of the most recent numbers, you know, GM reported this past week, their fourth quarter was really good. Fleet buyers are coming back. So it seems like the retail and fleet market is starting to recover just in time for there not to be enough chips to fill the demand. So you had a you had an issue last year with shutdown plants for obvious reasons with the pandemic, and you had a drop in demand a little bit and then it came back toward the second half of the year now it's continuing to come back and you aren't going to hopefully have another pandemic and we're getting through this one and now we've got issues with chip supply so it's like okay can we just not have any big issues cutting down car sales and, and getting in the way of the natural flow of uh, supply and demand for vehicles you know it's interesting on those chip sales because part of that is is the metals and the materials that are in it and where they come from a lot of it comes out of china but in addition to that you're looking at all these rare earth minerals which i'm constantly talking about when we have a shortage of that then you're going to say we got all these great evs i can't get the batteries so like i said they're putting a cart in front of the horse in many cases and uh, with these chips and this 48-volt architecture, which is what is required to run all these really cool safety technologies and super crews, which we're going to be talking about. All that requires a lot of chips. Yeah, a lot of chips. We're coming to the end of this uh, first stop of our trip. So we're in Ingolstadt in Germany. We're going to take the flight. Uh, maybe we'll stop in Frankfurt and we're going to fly to Detroit for the next stop where we're going to talk with Jeff Miller from the Cadillac Super Cruise team to talk about the experience that we have had with that uh, system. So are you ready, Carl, Lauren? I'm ready to yeah, board. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you're buckling up right now. <laughs> Let's go. Here we go. Take off. Car Score podcast with uh, Carl and uh, Lauren. And now we have Jeff Miller from Cadillac, who we were with in uh, October in Ann Arbor. And uh, he's now in Detroit. And apparently he's missing the we the weather we had in October. Right, Jeff? Absolutely. The The weather is crummy, but spring is not too far off. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. Like I'm, I'm hoping that the winter in Miami extends a little longer. So... It's nice here, but anyway, we always have something to talk about the weather. But anyway, we're here to talk about something else, the, the work that you have done in the new generation of the Super Cruise um, system in the Cadillac. So we drove with you back then. Now, I think Lauren and Carl have, have had the experience of being behind the wheel on it. So let's start a few minutes, a couple seconds, actually, with Lauren and then Carl. Tell us what you thought about it, and then I'll tell you what I had the experience with. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being here, Jeff. Um, we had a great experience. You know, I, I've experienced super cruise in the past with Cadillac, but then when you put it in the Escalade, one of the things I thought was really cool and different, maybe, you know, I know that you've got the backup camera. That's an actual camera, but when you use that camera type 
technology going forward. I thought it was the coolest thing to see those forward cameras and the fact that you've got, what, three or four screens now. Can you can you tell us about that technology? Because I think that's the neatest thing. Yeah, there's a lot of new technology built into this this new Escalade platform. You know, as you mentioned, we have this huge um, OLD, OLED screen that displays a lot of different views, which is very cool. Not critical to Super Cruise performance, but still very cool tech. Um, the, the, the best feature that I think that, that this vehicle has is Super Cruise. And as you mentioned, you, you've driven it. We've made some substantial um, improvements on this new enhanced version of Super Cruise from what you've experienced on the, the, um, the Cadillac CT6. Um, we've made some enhancements to lane change on demand, or we've added lane change on demand. We've made enhancements to richer map information, improved sensing capabilities, software. Really, what afforded us the ability to to improve the feature and enhance it was the all-new electrical architecture that the Escalade is built on. That's the VIP architecture. That's vehicle um, intelligence platform. If you think in terms of computer language, um, this VIP architecture has much more bandwidth and throughput capability. So that allows us to, to make many improvements that you've seen with Supercruise, as well as, as camera systems and whatnot. Yeah, I know that we talked about, I know that I was going to say, uh, I know that we talked about uh, some of the roads and everything that's that has been mapped. That's kind of neat stuff too. Yes, yeah, Supercruise is currently available on roughly 200,000 miles of divided highways. Um, we added. We originally started with 130,000 miles of limited access divided highways. We added 70,000 additional miles in the summer of 2019, bringing us up to a total of 200,000 miles. Kyle, do you have something? Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, I know that uh, Super Cruise is really considered, I think, about the most advanced system right now in terms of uh, allowing for hands-free driving under extended periods. But it does require, you know, the right circumstances in terms of the roads that are mapped. And, uh, of course, it's monitoring driver involvement and driver uh, attention uh, levels, which I think is smart. I'm curious if um, if you feel the same way. Like, I know there's other systems out there. How much does Cadillac study some of these other systems, whether it's Tesla's or Mercedes-Benz or any of these other ones, to try to, you know, come up with your own levels of benchmark? And how do you feel you are performing compared to some of these other systems that might be considered some of the most uh, aggressive or advanced systems beyond super cruise in the industry. I mean, we do have a benchmarking group that looks at other systems and other vehicles. Quite honestly, I don't pay too much attention to that. I'm more focused on executing the best product with the best features that we can. Um, so I can't speak specifically to what others are doing, but our, our strategy is to offer a system um, that benefits our customers um, in the greatest way possible. And one way to do that was the LIDAR mapping that, that's stored in the vehicle and the driver attention system that we've, we've built Supercruise around to ensure that the driver is engaged um, and paying attention in the event that Supercruise needs to hand off um, the controls and, and the driver needs to take control of the vehicle. Um, Jeff, uh, when I drove with you um, back in October, I published a video about it. it has like, I don't know, like 25,000 views and all that. And a lot of comments uh, regarding the comparison that Consumer Reports did. And obviously, you said you don't pay attention, but everybody else is, right? So Consumer Reports already says um, yours is the best. So why, why it makes it the best against the others? Yeah, we were really happy that uh, Consumer Reports did evaluate Super Cruise as well as some other systems. I I've 
briefly walk through or read through some of the comments. I was really happy with um, with how they evaluated it. And really, it goes back to how we engineered the vehicle. You know, we took our time in making sure that the product was right and for our customers, provided the greatest benefit to our customers, um, and really tackled much of the monotony associated with driving. Most of the monotony of driving revolves around the tasks of, you know, accelerating, braking, maintaining a gap to the, the vehicle ahead of you, lane centering, maintaining focus. And what Supercruise does is it assists with many of those monotonous tasks, right? And, and essentially takes them over. But we have a driver attention system that may, that is monitoring the driver to make sure that they're paying attention in the event that the system needs to hand back control. And that can happen for various reasons. You know, paint lane lines might uh, be degraded. There may be adverse weather conditions, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I don't know if uh, you, Lauren and Carl, experience anything like this, but uh, in some areas where I was uh, driving here in Miami, uh, I-95, the turnpike, the system will go off. Can you explain why that happens, Jeff? I'm sorry, especially here in Miami where there's no weather issues, like the lanes were perfectly uh, painted or, or a signal and everything. Everything seemed to be there, but what could be the reason? And I, I can't speak specifically to those roads. Um, a lot of times when we do see issues like that, It's mainly driven by construction or recent construction or the loss of the GPS um, signal. So as, as I previously mentioned, um, Super Cruise is, is um, developed around a LiDAR map that's stored in the vehicle. And if there is construction and road, uh, the road may change, um, then you know, that's obviously going to cause issues. So that may be part of it. Um, and, and we need to go remap those. And we're constantly working with our supplier to go remap those roads. And then we, um, over the air update, um, the, the latest map to the vehicle. That way you always have the freshest map in the, in, uh, the vehicle and you can operate on as, as many roads as possible. Okay, Lauren, you have some snow on the road there. How is it? How did it work there? Well, when we did it in Detroit, there wasn't a problem. But the problem with snow on the road is obviously it needs to see the markings on the road. So how are you working with some of the weather conditions? Yeah, weather can sometimes be an issue. Obviously, if you're driving in a blizzard uh, condition, um, that's not ideal for super cruise operation, and we we state that in the owner's manual. If the road is covered and you can't you can't pick up the lane lines, super cruise may not function in those in those conditions. But for the most part, um, here in snowy Michigan, you know, I haven't seen too many issues with with roads being you know snow covered. Um, for the most part, they they keep them fairly clean, and super cruise operates you know as intended on those roads. Uh, and Carl, you in uh, California, I mean, you could have snow, but mainly you don't. Most of the problems there probably are user problems, right? Like people doing crazy things. Not on this, well, on this one and many other systems. You've seen some crazy stories there. So, but have you, did you find any issues while you experienced the, the system? No, the systems works really well for me. It's like you're saying, the, there's certainly not usually environmental issues that cause it. Now, <laughs> the human issues in, in states like California, that's a whole other question. Um, <laughs> One question I would have, Jeff, too, though, is related to the inclement weather. There's there's things like the, the lane lines being covered up, but then there's things like the, the cameras and the LIDAR. And, um, you know, what what level of kind of countermeasures does the car have that allows it? You know, you got headlight washers that have been around off and on for years, especially in Europe. Are there systems that try to keep those sensors kind of cleaned up while the uh, Cadillac's driving, even in inclement weather? So Super Cruise actually doesn't have LiDAR in the vehicle. We map 
the roads using a LIDAR equipped vehicle, and that map is stored in the vehicle. So we don't have LIDAR specifically um, on, on the vehicle. Um, but, but once we, we do have, you know, a functioning, um, super cruise vehicle on the road and you do come into scenarios where there may be heavy rain, I found that the system operates really well in, in rain, even in scenarios where I can't see the lane lines and there may be a reflection, you know, the, the cameras tend to, to penetrate those types of surfaces better. Um, and then as far as, is ingestion, snow ingestion in, in and around the radars, there is, you know, some maintenance that you need to to do to keep the the ice from building up or snow from packing around those those sensors. But I haven't I haven't found that to be um, too much of an issue. Again, here in snowy Michigan. Last Sunday in the Super Bowl, we saw an ad for uh, the Lyric that is going to have the system. Uh, do you? I mean, be, beyond that, is there uh, more uh, news on what cars will get it? So we have announced that uh, we have a pretty extensive rollout coming for Super Cruise. And the recent Escalade launch, it's just the start. So we have a saying in our group, 22 by 23, we have committed to launching 22 new Super Cruise vehicles through calendar year 23. Um, so that will touch on brands outside of Cadillac. It'll include all of the, the GM brands. Um, we've publicly announced that we're going to launch it on the CT4, CT5, including the V-Series this quarter, as well as the model year 22 GMC Hummer EV, a late model year 22 GMC Sierra, and the Cadillac Lyric um, alongside the model year 22 Bolt EUV. So many new vehicles um, coming up here in the short term um, will be getting Super Cruise. And like I said, 22 by 23, we're going to have 22 new vehicles that will get Super Cruise by or through calendar year 23. That's great. Well, uh, I hope that uh, things go back to normal. I mean, we've been saying that for a long time now, more for a year, <laughs> exactly. And uh, maybe we could take a road trip and like do it like cross country or something like that. That'll be super fun with no mask because that's the other thing that in our video people were crazy about that. Absolutely, I have a trip coming up here to to Florida in a couple of weeks, going on vacation. So I'm looking forward to super cruising in one of our Escalades down there. Great. Well, thank you very much for the information, Jeff. And again, I hope to see you soon um, on the road. And uh, Carl and Lauren, I'm going to take you on a trip too in the next segment. We're going to Italy this week. Last week was Japan. Now it's Italy. How do you like that? Awesome. Great. Looking forward to it. Okay, we'll be back with that. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate your time. Uh, Detroit in the winter uh, and now we're gonna go to Italy in this segment so again uh, let's uh, rush to the airport maybe stop at the Admiral's Club for a drink or two get on the yeah, plane and I want to gonna... have some wine there gotta have <laughs> some wine while we're in <laughs> exactly because it's gonna be an overnight flight we have to sleep and go ready for this incredible experience in Milano in Italy with Alessandro Macolini he's the chief exterior designer for Alfa Romeo so Again, buckle up. Let's ah, go and la, let's la go. Dolce Vita. La Dolce Vita. Let's go. <laughs> let's go, Carl. So, well, here we are uh, in Milano. And uh, I want to thank Alessandro Macolini for the great opportunity of talking to him, not only about Alpha, but also because of the pandemic and all these things. You are making possible for us to travel, at least in our minds. It's been a year since we've been grounded. I don't know if that's the case for you, too, but. Uh, First of all, thank you for, for, for that opportunity, Alessandro. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
So obviously, I mean, when we, we just uh, had a, a really great presentation uh, with Alessandro about Passione and Alfa Romeo and the history. And um, while I was looking at uh, all the, the documents and all the historical stuff that uh, you showed us, it's pretty impressive. And it must be a really high responsibility because, I mean, you mentioned names like Da Vinci. You mentioned uh, centuries of history. So to be responsible to carry that uh, that tradition and that uh, historical importance, it must be a, a, a challenge, but also a really uh, fantastic feeling for you, right? I, you know, uh, I think the, the, the meaning of uh, Passione, this uh, document, I think is important because, again, uh, we try to explain not just uh, from the automotive point of view, not just from the passionate of Alfa Romeo and cars in general, we try to explain the culture. And I think the culture is on the base of everything, not just cars, but also our society. Uh, in our society, the culture is absolutely important. And um, Alfa Romeo, I live for Alfa Romeo, for this important brand with my job, with my activity, because I received, I was uh, inside this culture. I received the passion from my father for this brand. And um, when uh, today I describe uh, uh, with Ariel the e-book of Passione, uh, showing uh, names like Leonardo da Vinci or important cars made in the past, it's not because uh, uh, we, we look at something uh, extremely incredible, or, uh, but it's because it's a part of our history. Uh, just that. Uh, Alfa Romeo is uh, a symbol of transformation, and the transformation happens when you imagine a process, and our life is a process. 110 years of uh, process Alfa Romeo mean culture, people, um, legends sometimes, and this is, I think, uh, very important for Alfa Romeo. Our responsibility today is, uh, yes, it's true, because when you go in the museum, you can see incredible cars. You imagine in the past how the people, how the designer was able to make something so incredible. And you say, wow, I have to make the same or maybe better. On this, yes, you are right. <laughs> We have a responsibility. Yeah, and um, and the cars that you show from the past um, are amazing. And I always, when I look, uh, or when people ask me about what's the, the best car or the, the coolest car that you ever driven, I always go to the past because, I mean, I have to admire the way those cars were built back then without, like, supercomputers, without, like, robots and all that. And they're so beautiful and perfect. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how that uh, process has evolved? Is it easier now or is it more complicated because of all the regulations and the, and the safety features and the cameras and the antennas that you have to incorporate in the car that you're forced to, to have in the car? But probably as a designer, say, like, well, I mean, how do I make an antenna pretty? I mean, how can I make a, a camera attractive and blend it into a beautiful modern design? Yeah, uh, it's right. Uh, if you look in the past, you can see fantastic cars without many constraints we have today. Uh, and this is a, a part of this process, a part of this transformation I mentioned before. Um, I cannot compare the style of uh, 50 years ago 
and today or maybe in the future because I think the problem was different are different today it will be different tomorrow um, the evolution uh, uh, ran with the evolution of the designers ran with the evolution of the uh, the, the point of view about design technology etc and uh, if I remember uh, in the beginning when I arrived in Alfa Romeo yes it's true many components about technology, about safety, was not included in the car. Uh, today, uh, we have many radars, we have many constraints to respect the visibility, pedestrian impact, etc., etc. So today, the design in general is more complex, but, uh, but in the same time, is uh, uh, more challenging because uh, you need to solve the problem. You need to uh, make a dress that turn around uh, the different the new components request for the safety and this is a part of our job I, I love this job exactly for this and uh, many times I describe uh, the importance of our historical cars exactly for this because if you look in the past when you can see strange cars uh, with strange shapes is because the designer was more free no homologation sometimes not problem for uh, to integrate uh, um, a crash test or something like this. For this reason, we can receive a more strong um, influence from the past. Uh, if uh, we look at uh, the current style, the current cars are more conventional. If you look in the past, you can see extreme concept car. You can see extreme yeah. and beautiful cars. For this reason, again, I don't want, I cannot compare the style, the constraint, etc. because there is a a parallel uh, evolution for both design and constraint, of course. Yeah, but uh, as we were saying, with the responsibility of, of uh, holding to the to the history of the brand, uh, more than 111 years now, right? Uh, you have to keep some elements there, and I, I guess that's the the I guess in some way the advantage of the modern technology that you can incorporate them in in different ways and and, and keep that alive, right? Yeah, so we, our challenge today is uh, to work for the future, but in the same time to keep some ingredient from our DNA and to integrate on uh, on the new cars. Uh, many times we say that we work for the Alfisti, of course, because it's our uh, they are they are passionate for Alfa Romeo, but we work also for the normal people. Maybe they don't know uh, the history of Alfa Romeo, but maybe they don't care about the history of Alfa Romeo. They want a car. What we want to do is an experience. We want to create an experience. And for this reason, I think the, the best challenge for a, an Alfa Romeo designer, interior and exterior, is the possibility to create an experience that uh, can uh, make a new Alfista. Uh, I give you an example. My wife, uh, she's not uh, so involved in the cars, in automotive. She works for a totally different activity and sometimes she drives the Giulia, the Alfa Romeo Giulia and uh, she, <laughs> she is uh, totally in love of this car because the behavior of the car is extremely incredible so uh, we work for the normal people and uh, the DNA is important because you can recognize our DNA after maybe one second if you are an Alfista, maybe after one week if you start uh, to be passionate of Alfa Romeo, or maybe after one year when you read something about Alfa Romeo. This is our activity. This is our job.
Yeah, I, I have to, to agree with that. And actually, I, I think that even people who are not alfistas or they don't know much about history, when they see the modern cars, that uh, you were involved in the design of the 4C, right? That was the first yes. car that made the official return of uh, Alfa Romeo to the U.S. Uh, we yeah. had the 8C for very limited production. But nowadays, since the 4C came back and then the Julia, which, by the way, was in the run for the car of the year in the United States, where the three of us here on the show are, are, are jurors. Now, whenever you see any of the modern cars, uh, the Stelvio, or even the SUV, like you see, like, oh, that's an Alpha, and especially if it's in red, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. No, th this is uh, our work. Um, Sometimes, many times I mentioned about uh, timeless. Uh, timeless is, uh, is not um, so easy uh, when you make an Alfa Romeo. It's not an ingredient... Uh, uh, so easy to found um, it's something uh, very very strange uh, is a perfect balance between uh, the shape the treatments uh, and the perception of the car uh, if you look at the AC you mentioned about the AC competizione the AC competizione is uh, in the end a classic car no because uh, we on this concept car we reinterpreted the historical cars of our DNA Alfa Romeo you can see the 33 Stradale for the sensual body. You can see the Disco Volante for uh, the muscle on the on the side of the car. You can see a Giulietta as, uh, SS uh, on the front where we have the Trilobo, so iconic, so strong. And this was uh, a concept car, but not for concept car because it was a laboratory car. It was a concept car because on this car we put... Uh, the main ingredient, the principal ingredient of Alfa Romeo style. And this was absolutely important for the Mito, for the Giulietta, for the, for the 4C. And for this reason, when you see a Mito, this is a junior, is a, a, a baby Alfa Romeo, uh, you can see this car in the street, especially in Europe, and uh, it's totally different compared to the other cars. Uh, if you look at the 4C, you can imagine a 4C like an instant classic, but in the same time, is a car full of uh, incredible components. Uh, we have uh, the carbon fiber uh, um, chassis, we have uh, incredible technology, the spirit of the car, the soul of the car is incredible. And uh, so the, the, and the, I think the, the best of for an Alfa Romeo is when you can see a Giulietta, when you can see a Mito, uh, FRC 10 years, 20 years after, uh, you can uh, recognize a beautiful car, a beautiful style, not connected with, uh, with uh, a trend, but uh, absolutely uh, unique. Yeah. And again, like with technology and the, the way the automotive industry is going in the near future, at least, it seems, I mean, more challenges, electric cars and all that kind of thing. So I guess uh, you guys are really, really busy over there in the in Italy working on what's coming up. And I really hope that, that we will see another alpha in the list for car of the year in the United States. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Alessandro, thank you very much. I mean, I wish I had more time. We have 11 minutes and you have 111 years of history to talk about. So it's not a, at all it's justice not to the brand or anything. But uh, thank you very much. I wish I, I, I could be in uh, Milano. I was going to go to the Milia Miglia last year, but... Uh, oh, wow, wonderful. No, but it didn't happen because of the pandemic. I so know. Let's, I, let's... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. This is a, an incredible event. 
Uh, this is uh, absolutely important for uh, the brands that was connected in the past with the Mille Miglia. And uh, this is an incredible event because you can see fantastic cars. And um, as you said, uh, 100 and now 11 years of history is not easy to explain everything in a few minutes. But uh, Alfa Romeo is, uh, first of all, a legend, is uh, an incredible brand. And uh, as we explain on the ebook, Passione is uh, a culture. This is absolutely important to understand that. Yeah, we're going to obviously post a link to the, the book on our uh, website and everything like that. So thank you very much again. And uh, I, I, wish, uh, I wish I can go to Milano quickly. I'm Mota with only one T, not like the Panettone Mota with two T's. <laughs> <laughs> only oh, one T. No, no, but it's correct. Your name in the, in the screen of my computer is Javier Mota. <laughs> yeah, but only one T, not two. No, no, <laughs> no, one, one T, one T, one T, one T. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you very much. And, uh, let's hope that everybody's safe and uh, this pandemic will go away quickly and we can visit in person again and uh, hopefully drive an Alfa Romeo in the Emilia Miglia near soon. I hope, I hope too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ciao, grazie. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Well, Carl and Lauren, that was our trip to. Italy to Milano with Alfa Romeo. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Alfa Romeo is coming back with strong, I think. I mean, like the design, especially the performance also in some of the vehicles, in all of them, actually, it's, it's really so. So um, I don't know what, what, what have you have uh, had recently from Alfa, Lauren? Oh, goodness. I had the Stelvio. I love oh, the yeah. Quadrifoglio. What what a cool car. And they've done a great job with the with the mid-cycle refresh, but you know what? I've always been a Alfa Romeo fan. I just there's something about them. I can't put my finger on it, but maybe because it's just Italian. You know, it's all about the style and there's nothing like it. When you're driving an Italian car, if it's a Ferrari or a Fiat or an Alfa, there's nothing on the road like that vehicle. The Italians do it right as far as looks. Yeah, and they they can do driving dynamics okay too. They make a they've got a couple brands over there that uh, know how to go around corners pretty well too. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think um, I think what's going to be fascinating really will be watching Alfa Romeo. Now it's not a subdivision of FCA; it's a subdivision of Stellantis, which has even more global reach and more brands out there. And there'll be even more sharing across uh, of everything, including designers who uh, all, you know, as all of us know, have. Have a, can have a big impact on not just a brand, but an entire, you know, uh, organization, uh, multiple brands, if they're uh, given enough power and they can really put their stamp on things. So hopefully we'll get some of that passionate, fun Italian design spreading further across more brands uh, that are now part of Stellantis. Excellent. Well, I hope you enjoy our trip twice in Europe, once in Detroit uh, for now. <laughs> Let's go back home, I guess. <laughs> Well, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Lauren. And we'll talk to you next thank week. Thank okay? you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.